0: The Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner.
1: Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals Post Game Edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Columnist and Editor with Rick Broering. As always, it's presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage. Big, big, big road win for the Bengals today. You know, coming out of the bye, you thought, okay, you got to go to Pittsburgh and win. They do. This was one of those... A loss wasn't going to crush you because Tennessee, I, I do think, is really good. and They're obviously terrific defensively, but to go steal this one on the road, two road wins coming out of the buy, Rick, it's, it's hard to understate it. And then you get the help from Jacksonville on top of it, beating Baltimore. And now the division is very much back in play.
0: Yeah, I felt like the sentiment from Bengals fans was that this would be a nice-to-have type of game, but right. it, didn't, it wasn't a game that everyone felt like, oh, you got to win this or there's even a good chance that they're going to win it. And uh, lo and behold, they come away with a hard fought 20 to 16 win. It was a slow start to this one. Neither team scored through the first quarter plus of this one. And then uh, they went into halftime tied 10 to 10 skinny. I guess when I look at the box score, the first thing that jumps out at me is you're playing Tennessee. What happened in the running game and Tennessee? Derrick Henry goes 17 carries 38 yards. Averages just 2.2 per carry with a long of nine yards. How did the Bengals defense bottle Tennessee's rushing attack up like that?
1: I, and, and bottles the right word. I mean, there were felt like there were three, four hats around the ball at all times or a couple of great individuals, tackles for loss. Mike Hilton had two just ridiculous, where he came on run blitzes. And as little as he is, I mean, he went really low and, and tripped him up both times. Um, I do think if you want to look at at Derrick Henry extended over the last three weeks, this is now three straight. Uh, sub three yard per carry games for him. So you got to then ask yourself for Tennessee, what's going on with with, with your running game? And maybe it's the them problem more than the Bengals doing a great job. But, you know, talking to players this week, it was the whole got a gang tackle, got to have a bunch of hats around the ball. And that's exactly what they did.
0: And they, they did a good job of it. And then on the other side, it was kind of, The opposite, because the Bengals come into the game without Joe Mixon, with an offensive line that's been talked about a lot this year, not in a positive way. Um, And they really did a nice job running the ball. Majay P. Ryan went 17 carries, 58 yards, an average of 3.4. He had a touchdown. um, And as a team, the Bengals rushed for 3.9 per carry. The offensive line looked like it played well.
1: Yeah, and if you take out the last couple of knees for Joe Burrow, it would have been just barely over four yards of carry, so um, they, they did, and that's where Pirine's numbers are a little deceiving. Uh, you know, when they needed him to run the ball effectively, it was four yards here, five yards there. Um, he really did a good job of getting positive yards. I think he was dinged for a four-yard loss on a carry, which probably hurt that average some. Um, the, the offensive line was great, um, and Joe Burrow made a point of that after the game of just how clean the pocket was, and it really was a lot of times. Um, and, and then when it was, you know, when plays broke down, the pocket was clean and for Joe, if he couldn't find a receiver, had running lanes to take off and scramble, and he had a couple of big scrambles in in, in the game. You know, part of the issue in the first quarter. From the Bengals' perspective, unfortunately for them, is they kept getting backed up because of of special teams penalties. a uh, Hold on each of the first two punt returns, they started at the four and the ten, and they they were pretty conservative. You know that that stage of the game, and I get it. You don't want to take risks and do something stupid, and so they didn't. And then Drew Crisman kept flipping the field, but once they kind of got out of that hole, it opened up the offense a ton. You know, the fourth quarter they only had the ball twice. They drove for a touchdown on the on the one that gave them the lead, twenty to thirteen, and then at the end where McPherson kicks the field goal and they get a penalty for hitting an, an, uh, a, a player uh, at the line of scrimmage who uh, can't be hit um, in that circumstance for the unsportsmanlike conduct, they, they would have scored 10 points on their last two drives of the game and chewed up a bunch of times. So uh, the offense was really efficient after that first quarter, in my opinion.
0: Was that the story of this game? The the difference between the Bengals effectively running the ball when, at the point of attack and Tennessee not?
1: Yeah, yeah, and and, and and T. Higgins. I mean T. Higgins made made a couple of just ridiculous catches. The touchdown catch he made a great adjustment on. Trent Irwin made I know you haven't seen all of the game yet, Rick, but Trent Irwin, because you did and for full disclosure, Rick did NKU basketball this afternoon, um as as color analyst, but Trent Irwin made one of the most ridiculous, sickest diving Headlong catches on a back shoulder throw at the sideline on a third and twelve play you're going to ever see. I mean, what trust Joe Burrow has in a kid like that to say go make me a play on a back shoulder and now he make the catch. He makes a spectacular catch to keep the drive alive because on the very next play came the touchdown pass to T. Higgins that gave the Bengals the twenty to thirteen lead. And I, I, you know, you hear the term complimentary football and I think there was a lot of that today too, where the defense you know, got off the field on the first couple of series of the second half. They kind of flipped field position on Tennessee where the Bengals had a couple of good starts to drives in the second half. The first one that sputtered out, the second one that they went down and, and, and got some points on. So uh, it was pretty good complimentary football. This was a really good team win other than some of those special teams gaffes in the first quarter.
0: I want to go back to T. Higgins because, you know, you look at the, the box score maybe – Even early fourth quarter, I'd say, and Joe Burrow had had a fairly quiet day. T. Higgins had yet to do much of anything at that point. And then all of a sudden you look up after the game and T. Higgins has seven catches, 114 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, I saw the the back shoulder touchdown catch that he had where he basically just abused the defensive back on that play. What happened there in the fourth quarter between T. Higgins and Joe Burrow?
1: Yeah, I think some of it was he made a couple of really tough throws. There was another deep corner route that T caught just with tightrope the sideline where um, Joe put the ball placement perfectly, and I think some of that's just the trust those two guys uh, have with each other, and certainly Joe has for T. I mean, the touchdown pass was literally a 50-50 ball, the 27-yarder, where T made a great adjustment on the route to kind of stop, turn around, pin the defender to his back, and catch it going backwards into the end zone. It was a beautiful adjustment on really Joe just trusted him to go make a play and he, and he made it and you know, that's now the last three games he's been targeted 30 times. He has 23 catches on those 30 targets for over 300 yards, averaging a hundred yards a game, had a hundred yards the last two games individually. Talk about stepping up in place of Jamar chase. T Higgins did that tenfold.
0: Well, and this was a game where we thought Jamar Chase might have a chance to play. Right. And and obviously some of that was gamesmanship by Joe Burrow, I'm sure, earlier this week when he said they're expecting to have him back. But he, he made some strides. There was talk about him potentially playing. So there was some hope that you might have your top weapon back on, on the offensive side. It didn't happen. And yet Joe and, and T continue to find a way through their chemistry to kind of lead this offense Without Jamar Chase. And it's like, had you told us that had you told us Jamar Chase was not going to play late in the year a month ago, every Bengals fan would have been terrified at what that prospect looked like because of the way the offense was going at that point.
1: Well, and the prospect looked really bleak in the very first game they played without Jamar Chase at Cleveland. Remember, I mean, the the offense looked awful and it was almost like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do without Chase? And lo and behold, they win three games without him. I, I thought the whole thing was a ruse all along about Jamar maybe playing. Um, it was not a ruse that he came back to practice because he did, because I actually videoed it and, and, and saw with my own eyes. But it just always felt like it was something like this: getting back for a week, get him reacclimated, and then let him go full next week. And I think that was the plan all along. I, I don't think there was ever a plan for Jamar Chase to play this week. To be honest with you.
0: And we had talked about Samaj P Ryan, too, and, and the fact that he had been solid all year as a backup to Joe Mixon to the point that really with some of the struggles that Mixon had had this year, it wasn't much of a concern to have him filling in for the day. And that ended up that ended up bearing itself out.
1: I, I mean, he was great Had um, a 32 yard reception, ended up having four catches for for uh, for 35 yards, had the 58 yards rushing. So he had 93 yards from scrimmage. Um, you give me 93 yards from scrimmage from Joe Mixon or whoever your number one back is each week with with the way they throw the ball that that's just huge and um the, some of the runs he made I mean uh, he there wasn't a lot of, of running room in the touchdown run even he broke like two or three tackles on the way to the end zone had a couple other runs where he was contacted early ran through tackles got a couple of tough first downs where he dragged guys for an extra yard or two. Um, he was impressive. Um, he, you know, he's not going to ever be a uh, at all a, a Pro Bowl caliber back or any of those type of things. But for a guy who's the backup, this is a pretty damn solid backup to have because you know he's going to pass block. He's a, he's a much better receiver than I think anybody thinks he is. He really is good in the screen game. I think he sells it really well. And he's a, just a tough, hard nosed runner. Is he a breakaway threat? No, not 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 at all. But he's going to he's going to give you what, what what you need. And ninety three yards from scrimmage speaks for itself.
0: You mentioned the crazy catch that Trenton Irwin had already in this game, but there was one other skill guy that I I wanted to bring up and that's Hayden Hurst. He goes six catches, 57 yards, was targeted nine times, which is the same as T Higgins, as much as any receiver on the Bengals roster. It feels like he's, he's found a role. He's sliding in. He's become a nice outlet for Burrow to look to. And honestly, Like, I'd love to praise him, but I don't even know if it matters much who that spot is. It just seems like Burrow is going to find that extra guy as he needs it late in the year every year. Because he did. He really did the same thing last year with C.J. Uzama.
1: Yeah, and Hayden's obviously a little bit different to me. I think Hayden's a more natural pass catcher and Definitely. And, and receiver than, than C.J. is. He had a really nice ball down the middle of the field where Joe laid it to, laid it up to him, and, and he, he extended himself to make the catch for 32 yards. He had another one where he once again, he threw it to him a little bit short of the sticks, and there he is breaking tackles to get a first down and, and getting some really tough extra yards to it. He has become a, a much bigger weapon than I thought he would become that probably will, will decrease – you know, when you get Chase back, but it does know that you can rely on the guy that again, that it's it back to you pick your poison. Who are you going to cover in the past game when Chase comes back? Especially if Hurst is a big part of it. Teams right now have taken the doubling Tyler Boyd. They've decided that's what they're going to do. Take away security blanket. Fine. I've got a second security blanket. Hayden Hurst.
0: Yeah, and I think that's all you wanted to see out of him. It's not so much that he, he needed to do anything spectacular, but put together a few solid games like this where you rack up some catches and Joe Burrow builds confidence in you. And now, like you said, even once Jamar Chase comes back, you just realize, okay, you have that extra option there Pick your poison situation. You want to double Boyd? You want to roll extra guy over the top against Jamar? Okay, well, we've got another guy that'll come underneath and beat you or beat you on a seam route or something like that. And a good sign to see them get it going again today with six uh, six connections for 57 yards.
1: Yeah, and again, uh, back to the offensive line too. I mean, it's not just the guys in the receiving game, but if you, if you are going to get this kind of offensive line play with the receiving game, with the potential to, to run the ball better, which they have of late, um, you got to be excited for the way the second half of the season unfolds, even though they are playing, you know, a very, very difficult schedule. But you know, you just went and beat a playoff team today. That's a that's a great start. Um, to to the, pretty much the gauntlet. About the only easy game left, if you want to call it easy, is, is Cleveland at home. Other than that, it's all playoff caliber teams, and it's time for your big boy pants. And listen, everybody is starting to step up with those big boy pants from the line to the way Joe Burrow's playing, to backup running backs. I mean, Travion Williams had a nice 16-yard run today um, as the backup running back, uh, to to Samaj AP Ryan. So you you got people stepping up kind of like last year when the season evolved, guys just seem to get better. This defense continues to consistently play really good football. Um, if you're a Bengals fan, you should be excited about the way this has been unfold. They're going to lose some games still. Keep that in mind. <laughs> there are very tough games still left. They're going to lose a handful down the stretch. But I think that as we talked about it, you know, on our weekly podcast and at the bye, I, I did think this team was going to to go five and three at the shit at, and make a playoff bid. Well, now you're down to going three and three ish. And I think that's more than doable.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, we we kept talking about feeling like if this team got to 10 wins, you feel very good about making the playoffs bare minimum. And now you're in a situation where if you go three and six down the stretch, you've got that. And, and at that point, I really don't even care who the Bengals play. You can load their schedule up with the best teams in the NFL for six weeks. You feel like there's a pretty good chance they're going to come out of it 500. And uh, I mean, when you look at it, you've got Chiefs at home next week, Followed by the Browns at home, then you go to Tampa Bay, you go to New England, you return home to play Buffalo, and then you play the Ravens at home to wrap it up. Very difficult game, certainly. But if you can't find three wins in there for this team, then they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. No, I think, that's
1: and I think, the, I think the way you're they're playing, they're they're going to find those three wins at a minimum.
0: Absolutely. So lay, lay it out for us now. The Ravens also lost today. Where where are we at in terms of? the playoff picture for the Bengals after a big win.
1: Yeah. So technically they would still be the, the the Ravens are still technically the, if the season ended today and that's the way you always do the playoff picture, the the Ravens would be the AFC North champions because they beat the Bengals head to head again. I'm talking about just today. So don't go crazy. Well, they still got to play the Ravens. Yes, I know that. Um, So as it sits today, that would be the case. The Bengals would be one of the wild card teams with a seven and four record. Um, uh, The, 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 the good part is, um, you know, they they still hold a tiebreaker advantage over the Jets, who technically would be in the playoffs as it stands today. They still hold a tiebreaker advantage over Miami, but uh, Miami has a one win more than the Bengals. So they're the first, technically, they're the number one wildcard team as we sit here today. Uh, actually, take it back, they're actually the division leader because they actually lead over Buffalo. So Buffalo still sits at eight and three. So the other part to some of this is this. You've got New England behind you at six and five. You got a chance to, to, to beat them still head to head, knock them away, um, and hold a tiebreaker advantage over them. You got the tiebreaker with the Jets. You got the tiebreaker with the Dolphins if it comes down to it. You've got the tiebreaker potential with the Bills if it comes down to it with a head to head there. Um, and, and you know, now you're back to even, even Steven with the Ravens, you know, if, if you can somehow do what they do each week leading up to the game that they play Baltimore, that head to head game might be for the division because you have a chance to be one win better.
0: Exactly. I, basically, in one week, this has turned into a dream scenario for the Bengals. I right. mean, they've got to keep winning, but this is all you could ask for if you're a Bengals fan, really dating back for a few weeks now, going back to the bye week. This is, this is the exact scenario that you're kind of hoping would play out.
1: Yeah, no question. Um, and, and you know, to their credit, this is back-to-back years. They've come swinging out of the bye week. And good for them. Now, if you remember last week, last year they came out swinging after the bye week, won their first two games, and then stumbled a little bit, and then found themselves once again. So, trust me, folks. I, I know I'm going to get the tweets when they're losing a game that you're losing. This is the NFL, man. They're they're, they're probably not going to win out. So just steal yourself for that fact, okay? But the way they're playing right now, I think shows you this team has certainly the potential to to make a run like it did last year.
0: Skinny, what else did I miss? You you mentioned that I was watching or was covering the NKU game today while this was going on. Was there any other storylines or anything that we didn't get to about this one?
1: Yeah, just two things. I mean the the the, the play, uh, the screen pass to Derrick Henry, and that's really the only play he had all day where he got out. He goes for sixty nine yards. Cam Taylor Britt does a great job to strip him at the six yard line as he's about to run in the end zone. The ball tumbles towards the end zone. You could argue Jesse Bates had a chance to jump on it. I don't know if he saw it or not. And what a play by Traylon Burks, the rookie wide receiver for Tennessee, to hustle down, jump on the ball in the end zone for the touchdown. It really felt deflating at the time because it felt like because it put Tennessee up ten to three, you thought, oh gosh, Henry's going to get going now. Even though it wasn't a run, it was a it was a screen pass which he turned into that long gain, and and then they get a break on top of it, and the offense is sputtering. Um, you know, I, I thought they handled that well. The end of the first half, I thought was big, where um, they they held Tennessee after a drive to a field goal attempt um, by by Randy Bullock's. Backup Caleb Shudak or Sudak, however you pronounce his name. He, Caleb, who won't be there when Randy Bullock comes back, guy. He ends up pushing a 35 yard field goal wide right. So instead of Tennessee being up at the half, it's tied at 10 to 10. And you kind of took a deep breath and went, woo, because Tennessee could have been 13 to 10. They got the kickoff to start the second half. Chance to maybe double up and bury you or at least put you in a big hole instead. He misses the field goal. Defense forces a three and out. They they Bengals end up having to punt back, but then the defense forces another punt, and suddenly they got the ball in great field position. Took it down and and got a field goal to take the lead, and and so it it just it it felt like that was a big play in the game, and then the other one obviously was the penalty. And I've had a lot of people tweet at me, and I haven't had a chance to respond yet, so I'll just explain it. The penalty at the end where Evan McPherson kicked the field goal, which gave the Bengals it looked like some insurance points. It made it twenty three sixteen. Little chip shot, thirty some odd yard or thirty eight yarder, I guess it was, but. On the play, Titans lineman Kevin Strong was called for unnecessary roughness because he landed on the long snapper. And in the NFL, you know they, they they try to protect the long snapper where you can't rush over him or through him or contact him because they feel he's compromised in that position. That's why occasionally you'll hear of a penalty of somebody lining up over the long snapper. You can't do that either. used to be people would jump over the long snapper or try to jump over somebody's back around the long snapper or clobber the long snapper. But a few years ago, they've changed that rule to make it safer for the long snapper, so a terrible penalty for him to take because the Bengals then took the points off the board because guess what? Tennessee had no timeouts left, three knees, and game's over.
0: Shout out to noted kicker Caleb, whatever his name is, who won't be with the team when Fat Randy Bullet gets back. That's correct. One of, one of my all-time favorite NFL players.
1: Caleb, undrafted rookie Caleb Shudak, S-H-U-D-A-K.
0: Oh, that's old man Shudak's boy, isn't it? That's correct. You,
1: you knew that. You, we all knew that. For, yeah, yeah for we, did that. we did. Yeah, not. but all in all, I mean, I, I thought a really good team win, you got – uh, you know, your quarterback doing what, what you expect him to do every week. You got T. Higgins making a couple of huge plays, which, you know, he he wants to get paid eventually, probably like a number one receiver. And it may not be in Cincinnati. Remind yourself of that. But you start he's making plays like that. Um, you know, you're going to deserve to get paid. You know, Trent Irwin, you know, again, one of the one of the backup guys making just a huge catch. Samajay Piran, technically a backup. 93 yards from scrimmage and the defense doing its thing, holding them to, to really the one touchdown, the Henry touchdown and, and then three field goals. Otherwise that's a good team win, especially on the road.
0: Massive win for the Bengals. As we talked about next week, another big game, they will host the chiefs that game at four twenty-five, and skinny. What we'll do here is we will reconvene on maybe Wednesday of this week, if possible, for you. We'll reconvene on Wednesday morning. We'll do our weekly podcast. We'll talk more about this one. We'll talk about a lot of other local sports news going on. (laughs) Luke Fickle's headed to Wisconsin, it sounds like, and all types of other things. So uh, we'll be back later in the week with that.
1: Good stuff, Rick. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate you adjusting your schedule as well. Uh, Thanks for listening. We will be back with our weekly podcast. We'll be back with the Bengals podcast as well next Sunday after that game against the Chiefs. Should be a lot to talk about after that one. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition Recap, presented by Ryan Kiefer of First Community Mortgage.